Coming up on the latest edition of Magic Pod Squad, we sit down with Quentin Richardson, former Magic player, 13-year NBA veteran, and now analyst on Fox Sports Florida. Welcome to the team. He sat down with myself, George Galante, Jeff Turner, and David Steele, and we were able to go back to his days in Los Angeles. What's it like being an 18-, 19-year-old in L.A., owning Los Angeles and then what's it like playing in New York coming to Orlando being a teammate of Dwight Howard uh, he was here for two years in Orlando towards the end of the run with D12 so we'll get into that as well and also the host of a successful podcast the Knuckleheads podcast that Quentin Richardson does with his longtime friend Darius Miles we'll get into that some of the terrific guests and stories that he's heard on his podcast and that he's lived through his NBA career. This is Aaron Gordon of the Orlando Magic. This is Evan Fournier. This is Jonathan Isaac. This is Mo Bamba. Check out what's new with the Orlando Magic Pod Squad. The host of characters give you a behind-the-scenes look at Magic basketball. The Magic Pod Squad has you covered. Subscribe and rate on iTunes and the Google Play Store today. And welcome to another edition of Orlando Magic Pod Squad. We are off to uh, podcast number two to start the 2019-20 campaign. And we're excited about this guest. His first time joining us on Magic Pod Squad. And he's going to be an analyst on Fox Sports Florida, which we're excited about. Makes his home here in Central Florida. 13 years in the NBA, two of them right here for the Orlando Magic David Steele, George Galante, Jeff Turner, all joined by Quentin Richardson. Q, it's great to have you, man. Thank you, guys. Glad to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited mostly because you'll be working with us, but also because you have a popular, successful podcast. We do not. And I think, that, <laughs> and I think that's the beauty of this, right, guys? We can kind of the Knuckleheads that's podcast that he does with Darius Miles that you can find on the Players' Tribune. Man, you, you guys are off and running with that. You got a lot of you got a lot of following. Yeah, man, we we blessed, man. Humbled by the support, man. It's, it's crazy how it all came about because me or Darius were really even knowing what was what a podcast was, let alone interested in doing one. But uh, we both had, you know, I had my letter to my younger self with the Players' Tribune, and he had a, mm-hmm. uh, a story that came out. And um, they both had a lot of success. So uh, we went from there, and they were, you know, the Players' Tribune trying to figure out, hey, they saw the chemistry we had, knew the history of us, so they were trying to figure out what we could do next. And we kind of literally kind of stumbled into the podcast game. So, I mean, everything has been great, and um, it's been a blessing, man. We, we, we definitely loving all the support. You and Darius go back where, middle school? I met Darius when he was in seventh grade. I was in ninth grade. So East St. Louis is actually in Illinois. People think that's like St. Louis, but it's a bridge, you know, a bridge that separates it. So he's actually from Illinois, and um, he played with my AAU team, even though he was younger. So when he would come, East St. Louis is probably like three and a half, four hours from Chicago. So when he would come in town on the weekends or during the summer to play AAU with us, Obviously, he's not going to go back and forth, so he would stay at my house, you know, and then we would go to the game and stuff like that. So that's kind of where, it, you know, the, the, the friendship started and built on from there. And then who would have knew we would actually get drafted to the same team in the same year and all the other crazy history that's going on. And that's where the knuckleheads that's where that was born, right, in, in Los so, Angeles. Exactly. So the origin story of the actual knuckleheads is actually – so we practiced at Southwest Junior College, which was a JUCO. We didn't have showers. We didn't have <laughs> any of that. So literally we would be showing up to practice in the middle of school or whatever. People would be looking at the cars, going crazy. But So Darius stayed in Marina Del Rey, and literally 
it's a street link and it runs straight from the school to the to the Marina del Rey. And in between there is Westchester High School. So Darius still being a kid, basically, he was 18. I was still literally a kid. We didn't really have a lot of access to clubs and stuff. So we would go to the college games, the high school games, because that was still kind of, you know, our fabric. We felt we loved to go watch the high school kids play. Mm-hmm. So Westchester in particular was like one of the best schools in L.A. They had Trevor Ariza, uh, Bobby Brown, uh, Hassan Adams was a McDonald's All-American. So it's right on the way home from us. So we like, cool, let's go check them out. Started going there, watched them play. Relationship grew with those guys. We started going practicing and playing with them after our practice and stuff. We don't got nothing else to do. So <laughs> we going we going from our practice. Sometimes we'll stop at their school and go to their practices. So then, you know, we go in their game. And they were the really original kids doing the knucklehead thing. So they like, yo, man, y'all should do it in the game. You know, show love to us, do it in the game. So one thing led to another. Me and Darius can't really remember who did it first. Darius says I did it first in the game. And then it kind of became a thing with our family. We had just did it one time in the game, one game, and then they were like, yo, why y'all not doing a thing no more? So, you know, they were like, so then we started doing it. And Darius, so originally we was doing it just for dunks, right? When you get a dunk, yeah. we do it. So. Darius was getting all the dunks. I'm like, <laughs> I got to figure out a way for I can do it. So I say, all right, when I hit a three or something, I do it. So then I started doing when I hit a three. Then one thing led to another. We start doing it when we do anything. <laughs> so we were so so then everybody wanted to know, like, what does it mean? And Darius, I remember Darius saying, nah, we tell you we got to kill you. So, you know, we were playing or whatever. But we was like, all right. The more that we didn't tell people, the more intrigue, like, grew about it. I feel like if we would have said – from the beginning, hey, it's this, or whatever it is, it wouldn't even be as big a deal. But literally, it was their thing that we took, and then after we saw it kind of getting big, we were like, okay, cool, maybe we get this on a video game. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was the, like, yeah, that was the, the epicenter goal. of it for us. Like, we could get it on like <laughs> yeah, on NBA Live or 2K, we could get on the game, we, we've made something <laughs> of it. So, I mean, it's like 20 years later, who would think that people would even care? So, I mean, it's just crazy. Now you're wearing a shirt with exactly. and a hat. Well, now, do you guys remember when that when these guys oh, burst yeah. onto the oh, scene sure. with that? I mean, that was a national and phenomenon. You had kids, you had kids all over all the over country, the country yes. doing yeah. it and yeah. not having any clue what it what meant. It like, yeah. had no clue what it meant. You just, they would the, score a basket and they, you know. The best is that, so now several players who were doing it as kids are in the NBA playing. I've met them. I know them. They tell wow. me different stories. So, fat, you could rewind to as recent as just a few months back. We had Pat Bev on the show. So, mm-hmm. After the show, we 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 stand we stand up doing our post pictures and stuff. We stand up. We said, "All right, do the nugget." He like, "No, nah, nah, I can't do that." Fam. I'm like, "What you mean?" He like, "Man, I know that mean." He thought he thought. Now he's from Chicago. He's a kid from Chicago that grew up, and he's thinking that we were doing it because it meant some gang stuff in Chicago. Oh, really? And it's actually the opposite gang of the neighborhood he grew up in. So he's like, no, nah, no, nah, I can't do that, bro. I can't take it. I said, why you can't do it? He's like, man, you know that me? I said, bro, that's not what it means. Like, it literally just not. So it was like. It got personal people. for him. Yeah, different people had their own. Oh, I know this is what it means. They thought that they that knew what it meant. Funny. And so it was hilarious just to see different interpretations of it. Jeff, when you played, you, what do you guys do? What was the big no, there was, I didn't, You know, it's interesting <laughs> that you guys say this because, uh, you know. Pull down those undershorts. Make sure the shorts are, are small. Yeah. <laughs> we couldn't do anything because we blow out of our clothes. 
Um, it was interesting. I had, you know, I coached here in town, mm-hmm. um, you know, starting in 2005 for a few years. And the kids, I'd see it, you know, the, everybody's got a sign now, mm-hmm. right? They, you know, some kids were doing the knucklehead, you know, the three is right. a big thing. Mm-hmm. And they turned it into the three, you know, much like Carmelo Anthony, right. you know, yeah. against, yep. the, you know, and so it's just, um, I, I don't know, it's just a different way, but I think you guys had a big hand in starting that. Q, what I'm interested in is um, anytime when you when you retire, you know, you talk to guys when they they leave the league, a lot of it's the same stories. I know I thought that was, what I missed was the locker room. You know, yeah. you, you're at a point, you know, the playing is taking its toll on you, but you miss the camaraderie and everything. It seems like the Knucklehead podcast for you and Darius, it's, you're kind of back in the locker room a little bit, right? Oh, you're man. enjoying it's, the storytelling. That's a hundred percent the vibe we try to give to our to our listeners and to even every every guest we come in, we let them know we're not trying to, you know, incite anything to go viral or to be some lightning rod. Like we here to have fun, man. We here to you know talk about cool, fun stories that we know that we we have privy to because we did the same thing. Some guys we have further, deeper history with and we could bring to like different stories that we know are appropriate. And so from that standpoint, we just let them know that we we not traditional media. We not trying to get something or trying to get a quote or get this line or get a headline, none of that. Like everything that, that's said on our podcast, like while we're sitting there talking, if you say something that you don't like, do like this and we'll stop and we can cut that out and edit that out. If you After we listen to it, if we listen to all of our stuff before we put it out and we listen for things that we don't like, if we don't like the way he said this or we think it could be controversial, we're going to take it out because we don't want him to be put in any type of light, him or her. Whoever the guest is, we want them to feel as good as we feel about it. And I think that's what's been part of you know helping our success because not only do, obviously, whatever, when it comes out, Players Tribune, we're going to push it, but – when that person, say a Kobe posted or a D Wade posted, they got yeah, they got more followers and, yeah. and stuff than all of us combined. So when they actually love the product and love what's going on, because I mean we that's that's what we stand by. Me and Darius were both players, and we've been interviewed and walked out of the interview and felt good. Then it come out, and you like what 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 was that? Like yeah, I don't right. like the way they just put this or they took <laughs> yeah, that out. Sure. And I know I said this, but I said yeah. something before and after right, this. Right, so right, right. you know, like we, we don't ever want our guests to feel that way, and we want them to feel completely comfortable and completely happy with everything that they put out there. Do you tell those guys ahead of time that's how we're going to do it? When we sit down, that's the first thing we say before we do anything. Like while everybody's doing the thing, setting up, and he's getting mic'd up and getting comfortable, whatever. That's the first thing we say like yeah we chopping it up a lot of the guys we got history with and we talking but as soon as we get to the point where we're about to do this and right before we do that we always say that anything you're gonna say on here we're gonna send it to you before and if you don't like this or that let us know you're not gonna get to do that for this one (laughs) 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 we just throw the whole damn thing out there doesn't matter doesn't matter we don't even even edit from start to finish we're not even sure that thing works i don't even know if it works (laughs) to be honest (laughs) to be quite honest but getting to do this q and getting the relationship that you've continued with darius all these years there's a lot of people that you already knew when you do a show like this, but but what kind of stands out? Obviously, there's stories that took you by surprise or people that took you by surprise that you've met in the last couple of years or even since you've retired, not even just on the podcast, but there's got to be a couple of things that come to mind uh, that you didn't know about people that you thought you knew in the league. The biggest thing... I mean, so I mean, you mean specific or, or just to, just it could be specific or in general or. Well, for me, like talking to the guys and, and, and the stories that you hear, like you think 
you get one thing when you hear the media or the regular interview guy come right. say, yeah, so when you made the NBA, what did you do? When You know, where they say, oh, I got my mom a house. Or the, so when we ask that question, you know, we ask it from a different standpoint. <laughs> we're asking from that, you know, like we're a locker room. Like we all, we feel safe here. We don't feel like we have to say that politically correct answer because – the person I'm interviewing can look at me and know, hey, I did some stupid stuff when I was 20 and I got my money too. So it's okay. We all, it's safe. It's not like I'm picking at you. What did you do? Wilson Chandler, for example, his story to this day blows me away. He he didn't even go to the draft. <laughs> now, he was a kid that wasn't supposed to be picked here or there. He got picked 18. <laughs> he lives in the projects in Benton Harbor, Michigan, where he's from. He went, him and his boys got bikes and bottles of Cristal <laughs> and rode in the projects popping bottles and this was because this is like <laughs> right. the greatest day ever. Sure. And, and you would, you, who would know that that's what happened the night of the draft when you saw his name get called? Who would have thought that this is what's he happening? He wasn't in the green room. Not in the green room. He's in <laughs> Ben Harbor, Michigan. How about that? And 30 to 40 minutes after his name is called, he's riding he, a, bike a bike with his boys in the, in the projects with bottles of Cristal because that's they like, we did it. Yeah. Like you know what I'm saying, or or a big baby who you all know. Yeah. Sure, like sure. When, actually he didn't. This wasn't when he first got drafted. This was his his. We did him. Um, we did him already, but it'll come out later. His was that he went and got a million dollars cash. I I had to ask myself. I say yo. How did that? I've never. I say I know how much myself. I've never physically touched. A million dollars. I said, first of all, how did you get it? How did that process work? He like, first of all, that was a two-week process. <laughs> like, you can't just go. I said, I, I didn't think you could just go to the bank and just say, hey, I want a million. Like, he was like, that was a two-week process. All type of paperwork, fingerprints, and, and, and all type of stuff to go get that done. I say, so you, when you got a million, what did you do? He, said, he probably had just, the ATF following him pretty closely there for a few <laughs> weeks to make sure. Did you put it in a bag? Like, the, what, what did you carry that in? He had it in a, in a, in a, in a bag, like a sports bag. In a we bag. Went to a hotel, had a suite, and he that's said funny. he put it all in. He said, I, I laid in the money. That sounds about right. And you know, I got here. I say, dog, I never, and I played with Big yeah. Bang. I played with him in the Big Three, played with him here, known him for, I never knew that story. And he didn't, that was when he got paid here. Right. He did that after he got paid here. I never knew that. That is a That's riot. crazy. Now, what's no, the story that you're, you're on the interviewing end? What's the story that you've never told or that is one that very few people know about your career? Maybe um, what, what you did. Q Laden, $72. One day, just put $72 right on the mattress. Yeah, <laughs> nowhere near. Something you can tell here. Um, let's see. Something that $40 I can, on something me. That I, I, I can tell you, so so when we first got drafted, this, this goes for me and Darius. This, 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 is a, this is the truth. So we get drafted. Back then, we like to call our, our period when we came to the league, we, my, me and my peers, we call it the ice age meaning ice as in diamonds and mm -hmm. jewelry and sure. all of this. So like, that's the Iverson effect. We call it the AI effect. You come in, you gotta have your do-rag, your big pants, your big <laughs> everything and a chain. So we get drafted, we like, yeah, it's time. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> like we get to LA, we get out there, we start meeting all of the people. You know, you get to the draft, we were smart. We like, I ain't gonna buy no jewelry at the draft. You know, everybody here trying to get you at the draft. So we get to LA. 
we think we being smart. Like we both go to one guy. We went. It was Dave L- Limmerman. <laughs> Never forget it. So me and Darius, both we got these. The chains had everything except our social security. <laughs> when I say it was the biggest, the, it was so big. Address. <laughs> Yo, what was it of? Just it said mine said Q Rich with the number three, but it was like it was overly. It was big. And it was all. It had like weaves and stuff going through it, and it looked like it was like man, it was about this big, and it. <laughs> It was kind of cursive writing, and he had basically the same identical thing, except he had said D Miles 21. <laughs> and so, but the chains were so, when my pop saw the chain, Uh-oh. he just stopped and he was like, I can't say exactly what he said. <laughs> yeah. I can't say exactly what he said, but it was like, what is that? And then after I told him what he said, I'm not even gonna ask you what it what costs. Cost. He was like, because I know I would fight you right now. I would, he's like, I was just like, I was like, yeah, we're gonna just leave that alone. We're gonna, but that's why I say, like, we all have done, you know, some things when you got, I mean, cause this is my thing. Cause a lot of people, I feel like a lot of people are judgmental about these kids and how, you know, even myself came into a lot of money at 19 years old, sure. 18, 20 years old. I challenge people to be, I, I'll, give me a 50 year old who's lived 50 years of life and he has his head on straight and all of this. Go give him $100 million and see what he does. Get, Q, get, I, Q, I was irresponsible. Go give him $100 million and see. with $500. Yeah. <laughs> I agree with you, no, but you're right. No see what I'm, they I'm just, I'm, I'm right. saying it becomes, because it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope. And mm-hmm. I mean, to have lived that life, I, I can see it. Because it does, I know how it was. I mean, I feel like I'm somebody who has a good, good sense, intelligence. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, I'm okay right now. I didn't go, you know, I didn't kill myself as far as money wise. So I'm, I, I still have a good life. But it's like, all right, when you don't really see it, and then you get a, you get a ledger. And I was a person that actually looked at my ledger, so I saw what was happening at the end of the month. But sometimes, if you're not getting that ledger and you're not seeing that bottom line every time, and it's getting smaller and smaller, mm-hmm. it's just like I can do what I want. Like he talked to some dude, like KD, like, man, I did something, I did Kevin Durant, I just ate Xboxes for no reason. Xbox over here, over there, it's like, that's minimal, but if anybody keep doing stuff like that, it could be bad. And it's like, that's why it's like people have won the lottery. Exactly. And then that's my exact 50, point. You look 50, at all of those stories, and their and lives, uh, their lives are ruined. Exactly, and they expect the nineteen-year-old, eighteen. Come on, man, you gotta come on. Like now, I, I take my heart to the NBA because it's so many things. So it's almost like I say to my, t- me and my peers talk all the time. Like these young kids, for them to go broke, you got to be. You got to be beyond stupid. You got to be trying to do something to yourself because it's so hard. They put they put so many things in place to to help you be okay, to bridge this gap, to bridge that gap. So I mean, I salute the NBA in that in that um, in that area. They doing an outstanding job trying to make guys you know be okay after ball. Can, can you give us a sense, everybody listening, and us, and uh, what a 19, 20 year old in Los Angeles? And now you're getting the notoriety. You're doing the knucklehead thing. And there's God knows who coming to the games. Yeah. And you've got, I mean, i got to think, you got the world in the palm of your hand. That's what we thought. Right? We, you better believe it. Yeah. We thought we was the biggest things going. And we was the little brothers to, to the Lakers. And we yeah. still, like, we were caught. Like, that's, we were so, we didn't see anything the way the outside world saw it. They saw us as, oh, y'all going to the Clippers. They terrible. We was like, we in the NBA. What are you talking about? We in L.A. 
Like, right. what are you talking about? Like, we superstars. Yeah, <laughs> we thought absolutely. we was the man. Like you said, everybody was coming to the gang. We in Hollywood. We doing stuff. People know us. People that we, like, know know us. We like, what? This is the best thing ever. <laughs> At 18, 19, 20, and then I'm with my friends. I knew Corey before. I knew Corey since seventh grade. Corey McGetty, my first year he there. I knew Keon since 14. Mm-hmm. First year he there. I knew D Miles since he was seventh grade. He there. So it's like, I'm not in a scenario where a lot of guys come in, like a Deshaun Stevenson. He came into Utah Jazz with Carl Malone and John Stockton and Jerry Sloan. And he was the only rookie. Could you imagine no, that? No, I can't. I was horrified for him. <laughs> yeah. Like, we got to him. be full-out mm-hmm. kids. Me and Darius showed up to the first day of training camp with super soakers, with backpacks. Like we <laughs> Super <legit>. soakers? <laughs> no. Honest to God, truth. First day, media day. We showed up to media day. Google it, look it up, anything. We showed up with big... Big joints, the backpacks. <laughs> Loaded? What? Let wetting, wetting people up at the <laughs> This great. is how we came through the door. That's great. And you got him over there with Jerry Sloan. I'm like, I, I can remember it. We did this in the game. Jerry Sloan was pissed. And D. Steve, Steve told us he hated he hated that. He, he hates y'all for that. <laughs> like, was that right? I was like, for real? Oh, he was like, we, we was like, I could have never done that. But, you know, like, we, we were in L.A. We thought we had it made. You couldn't have told us anything. You know, every, our agent was mad. We went, we got drafted there. Like, we we never worked out for them. Everybody was trying to avoid the Clippers. Nope. Keon didn't work out for them. <laughs> they had three picks. They had four, three, ten, and 18. Nobody wanted to work out for them. And they picked all three of us. And they picked pretty <laughs> pretty well, didn't they? Yeah. They did pretty good. Remind us, Q, the people listening, who, who was coaching the Clippers then? Alvin Gentry. Okay. Alvin Gentry got uh got the first two my first two years were under AG and then Dunleavy. So my my first two years was Alvin Gentry. Yep. That's pretty impressive. So yeah. how did how did Alvin do with having the young guys? Was he the right guy for y'all? At that point, no. <laughs> and I tell him this all the time. Like now he's unbelievable. I felt like when he went from LA and he went to Phoenix. He went to another planet because when I, I left from L.A. and then came to Phoenix and he was my assistant, I was looking at him like, hold up, coach. Like, <laughs> when did you – what happened? Because he wasn't he, – he was way – I felt like we were like the little kids that he never <laughs> wanted. It was, too, it was too much. It was too much. You had, you had legit the core of the team. The, the, your top six guys were all under 21. All of us. Even the next year after we came, you, you you added Elton. He was still only 20. You know what I'm saying? Even though he was way more mature than everybody, he was still only 20, 21, and he was supposed to be the adult in the room. Right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, we would – and, you know, we had we had a young L.O. That was when L.O. used to be all over the place before he went. Oh and, word. like, when he went to Miami, I felt like L.O. became a pro. Like, when he was there, it was we had the blind leading the blind. It was for real. We was like, hello to man. And it was like, hello was all over. Hello might not show up one day. Then he'd show up and win the game. <laughs> he did that. Like, we were on the road. I was like, yo, hello just left. Then he just showed up in D.C., didn't start, but won the game. <laughs> Got punished, didn't start the game, but still. Pretty you know, good. We was like, yeah, man, hello to man. You know what that do to a young kid? Yeah. A kid looking at that like, you say hello, like, man, hello, they didn't show up and still won the game. Like, <laughs> when does that when does that switch flip, Q? When, do, when, at what point, when you're in the NBA, do you realize what does it take 
to be a pro. Like you said, Lamar went to Miami and all of a sudden he became a pro. Like when does that flip for you and maybe Darius and the other young guys? What When does that switch flip? I think it happens different for everybody, man. Everybody, like every individual. For me, it happened. For me, for me, it happened. Um, uh, I would say Dennis Johnson, God bless that, Coach DJ. He he was very instrumental in on me in year two. Like both, I would say year one and two, but year two was where I think I started to listen, where it started to click for me, because it was like, all right, like my first year, yeah, it's cool. You think you the man is, but like I didn't play a lot. I was in and out. Then when you look at your stats, you, you like, man, forget this. Then you looking, and it's like the people that's in front of me is my peers. It's Corey. I'm fighting Corey for minutes, and um, Eric Piatkowski. And I'm thinking to myself, I'm as good or better. So it's like I'm talking to DJ. I'm listening to him. He like, you gotta grow up. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like we were, we was wilding. We were some wild young boys. It was a blessing that there was no Twitter and no social media and all of this. Can imagine things happen. It take days or weeks or months for people to know like boy we was wilding missing stuff showing up late to stuff we so year two i'm like now i'm looking at ray allen that's when i started showing up at the gym at four or three for to shoot because i'm looking at him like i want to do a ray allen doing ray allen here shooting like nobody shoot like ray and i go to the gym i'm like ray legit up in here at three o'clock Game at seven, he's sweating hard as heck. Like, man, what's going on? I've sat there and watched him like three times. Then it's John, look out. Hmm. And him sitting there. He's like, it's every time. This ain't special day. So I'm like, all right, I need to, I need to start doing that. Then I need to start, stop playing around. Cause I like, for real, you talking about playing around? That's why when I got here and I saw what Dwight was doing, I used to just be like, <laughs> There's no way you should still be doing this right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? There was no way. Yeah, that was about at the end. Yeah. So it was, it was about like, six years into this and thing. So yeah. for me, it was, it was like, you got to learn when it's a time and a place for everything. We had children. It was all yeah. jokes all the time, nonstop, nonstop. We joking on each other. He trying to do the game plan. That's what I'm saying. AG couldn't, he wasn't cutthroat enough for us. We was the type you needed to be like, get out. Go. Yeah. Like, just get out. Like, yeah. to make an example out of somebody, get out. But Was Steve Nash one of those guys? What, 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 did you, what did you learn from Steve? He seems like a guy that could – you're only one year there, but you yeah. win 62 games and go to the Western Conference Finals. That, that's a heck of a team you yeah, guys man, have. Man, Steve Nash – Steve Nash is the definition of selfless, man. Like, he made – he made that work. No way no way it works any other way with the with – the, um, with the personalities, the ability that everybody had, we we all could hoop. Everybody could hoop, and it was I don't know how he could manage that the way he was. But he was like his special move was his special gift was like he could coach D'Antonio call a play. That's cool, whatever. It could be be for stat Joe whoever. But if he see oh man Q getting a little itchy, he ain't shot in a couple plays with. He gonna figure it out within okay. the play. No way is he gonna have Amari mad. Joe not gonna be mad. Whoever the play is for, they not gonna feel any type of way that I got the shot. And he knows how to do that all the time. He keep Sean Marion in check. Get him a lob. Get stat the ball when you need. Throw Joe the ball. Whoever it is, he was unbelievable with with being the dude on the floor. Like, coach would tell us legit. We would come in to play. Coach coming to timeout. Coach would drop a play. All right, now if we if we get the rebound and we go, just forget about this. Like try to go first. Like that's always our thing. He'd draw whatever up. 
go first. And then if you don't get nothing, then get to this. So it'll be times we never get to a play for like 10 plays, legit. And then earlier in the year, it's, you know, it's like one of those things. You got honeymoon phase where everybody's buying in and then you're trying to do the right thing so you really don't get upset. But then you start to see that this is just how we play. It just It's so fast. Like you may not get the ball for six or seven plays, but then you may get it for five straight. <laughs> just right. be as long as you be cool, Steve gonna take care of you. I promise you. And it was it was just just to see how and he did that throughout his whole career. But to see how he did that with our team in particular, with the personality, because Amari was a young animal and he was he was at he was like he was busting out at that point. So it wasn't a lot nobody could say to him. But Steve had him like this, and he listened to Steve. Everything Steve did, whatever whatever he was telling me. All right, all right, like when we wanted something to get done, because, you know, I was fiery, so me and him, you know, we related, but it was a fiery type of relate. But, like, Steve, hey, hey, Mari, hey, Mari, <laughs> come over here talking to him, and then you like, okay, Steve got like, I, I legit used to call Steve the president. Everybody loved Steve Nash. Nobody not. When we went back to Dallas, I had never seen anything like that. When we landed on tarmac, news cameras, people, this is the opposing team coming in. Steve the man. That right, Steve the man. Be loved, man. You mentioned you mentioned uh, Dwight, and you you were here the last two years Mm -hmm. that Dwight Howard was here. Uh, Give us some insight into how what what your thoughts were when all of that ended, when Dwight moved on, and what are your thoughts on on that phase of uh, of Magic history? I feel like it was unfortunate, man. Still to this day, I feel like that was the 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 one thing that if he could change, he would change. Because I don't feel like it was something that, that he wanted to do. I didn't feel like it then. I don't feel like it now. I feel like it was people in his camp, people in his ear, and, and all of the other things, the outside noise that made him want to go to wherever, L.A. or New York, wherever it was at that time. But I was there. We were around him, myself, Big Baby, Jameer, all of us. We were there. He he didn't desire to leave. It was what that – I don't even remember exactly when that idea came about, but I remember where it came from and how it came. I was just like, this is ridiculous. And my only advice to him, which I always says, bro, I don't care what you do. Just make your own decision. Don't do it because that person whispered this yeah. to you or what have you. Just do it because you want to do it. And, you know, all of that stuff happened. I think it was un- it was unfortunate. I think that's the way he looked at it. But – um. I'm happy for him that, you know, he, he seems to be getting back on track and he's got a, 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 a unbelievable opportunity, you know, ahead of him with the Lakers. I think right now they're, they're the team that I picked to win right now. Does he kick himself a little bit, do you think, about what could have been if he stays here? I mean, he, he'd have never been loved Not like if he'd this. have stayed here, right? Not I mean, like you, this. you saw the love he had in this town. Listen, I told him. I, I, that was my question to him. When he started to say all this stuff, I was just like, what? Bro, where are you going to go get this equity at? Yeah, right. You ain't going to get it back. What you put in here, you never going to get anywhere. I don't care what you say or what you mm-hmm. do. You will not get what you – you homegrown. People, you can't ever get that back. I'm pretty sure Rich DeVos had a pretty similar message. Yeah, right. I recall back then, too. Yeah, right. I th- man, you, 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 he'd have statues at yeah. every turn, yeah. not just one. Like, boy. <laughs> You're right. But you, and I told I told because the thing that people forget, like, when I first got here, I was in all of it. The man out outvoted. He got out. He outvoted LeBron in the, in the All Star game. He he was Kobe, LeBron, everybody was behind him. 
That's right. The man was doing children's CDs that was getting sales on iTunes, <laughs> man. That's true. Everything you touched turned to gold. You're right. I said, I was, I was looking at him. What? I was like, what is going on? Like, bro, they just voted him over. I was like, wow. I was like, bro, they really love this dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Q, you, you, so you started in LA, and so you knew that environment and everything. So as Dwight moves there, is, is it, did you see it, <coughs> that that was not the right place for him? Listen, I knew LA and New York. Uh-uh. <laughs> uh-uh. Because of his personality, because the of personality we, or the the, because the attention, of everything, yeah, the full scale of it, the full everything, full circle. Because the attention that you gonna get, the the fact that you can't go out to dinner, the fact that the 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 microscope and the light gonna be so bright that even as good as you are, they gonna find bad in it. Oh, you didn't tip. You didn't do this. He was out. He did this. Like, not nah, when you in a little old Orlando, you could do whatever you and you was the biggest thing here. You still could do anything you wanted. And it was almost like, nah, I don't want to say like a protection, but it was kind of like a cocoon because you ours. We don't want, you know what I'm saying, you to look bad to the world. Whatever. Right. When you get out there, as soon as you land in the airport, TMZ, they walking around right now, right now. When I land in LA or New York, they got people walking around looking normal. Then when they spot you, they pull out their stuff and come up on you and try to get interviewed. This is regular. Regular Monday and Tuesday. This is where you going. This is where, like, you going from Orlando where we got, what, three beat reporters, yeah, two, three right. guys. New York has, like, 20. <laughs> L.A. has, like, 15. Yeah. And, and then the thing about New York is that I played there four years. Everything could be great. You're going to have one reporter go over here and try and find a story. I ain't trying to write the same positive crap they writing. Hey, man, why you didn't play? Why Why he playing you or something? This, this is what's going to happen find an angle. every right. single time. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about people buddy up with certain players and then be giving it, it. New York is tough. And if you're not tough with it, and that was what I saw. It wasn't that Dwight wasn't tough. It was that he cared too much about what everybody thought. Yeah, right. He wanted he he wanted to do the right thing and people to like me, and that's not the type of attitude you need to go to New York with. Like everybody in life know you you never gonna please everybody and make everybody happy. So with that being said, you about to be miserable if you try and go out there with that attitude because this is the place they gonna eat you alive. Q, you so you've been in in L.A., been in New York. You mentioned Philly, how hard that is. Kind of take us look at now Markel Fultz mm-hmm. coming to Orlando from Philly, how difficult a challenge that was for him. And coming to Orlando, Would you what, what advice would you have for him on his transition now? Because maybe he's in that safe place that you talked about. I think he's in a great scenario, man. The biggest thing for him that I've observed just in a few little preseason games, like, wow, he plays hard. He has a high motor. I think that's – I don't care who you are, what type of player you are, that's always a big plus. If you got a high motor and nobody ain't got to try to get you to play hard, I think everything else falls into place after that. I think he's in a place where, like you said, it's a it, it, he's, he's in a smaller pond than, say, like Philly was, even though – and then with everything he's gone through, he doesn't have that – 
I'm the number one pick jumping out at you. He's now he's kind of more normalized as he still will never shake that number one pick right. deal, but it's not just raring at you like I have to be this number one pick because he's been through what he's been through. So the expectations have knocked down a little bit. And now he has a quieter scenario to kind of do his thing and and grow in. I think I think Coach Cliff is gonna be unbelievable for him, him and the him and the whole staff. And um I just think the environment is better because it's not gonna be so critical. Philly is tough. Like I say, before you even brought him up, Philly is one of those cities that, especially for him to be the number one pick, and they thinking like, oh, he's the piece that our team needs to take us over the top, and then whatever happened, happened. It's like they don't feel sorry for you. They get angry. <laughs> they get angry first. <laughs> New York no is in Philadelphia. Is they gonna get nah? Like what? We wasted our number one pick on this. Like why See, that's we? why I get angry all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I get angry all the time. Fire the manager. You were happy with I'm yelling at the PA guy. Well, well, let everybody know. Then put on your analyst hat. You're joining us uh, on Fox Sports Florida this year, which we're excited about. You're already off and running with the Knucklehead Podcast, and and you well, you got a, you got irons in a lot of fires. You're multimedia. You are multimedia. Whoever would have thought Q would have been multimedia. I never would have thought. I did go to school for broadcast. You did. Oh, well, then Q thought I he did. was going to be multimedia. Yeah, that was my thing earlier. That was like 17, 18 year old Q. Like, yeah, when I get through, I just talk. This was years in the making. It was. Well, what, then what would you get, they give, put your analyst hat on and, and get, tell, tell fans what they can expect, you think, from this team? How, how good can this team be? Man, I think they got a chance to be defensively a top three or five or six team in the league. I mean, I, I, know, this, I know the system they run and just looking at the personnel they have, and I know how, how good of a coach Coach Cliff is and watching how well they did last year, I know they're just going to continue to um, to build on that. I think the length is ridiculous. Um, I'm looking forward to uh, to Bamba being healthy and, and, and having more of an impact this year. I think he can help in a lot of ways with his length and the, and the different things he could do. And then Fultz, man, I'm excited to see him out there playing and what he's going to be able to bring. I mean, everybody else, um, you know, they all played well last year. I expect them to, to be back. Uh, T. Ross being being back in the fold is, is huge. Like I said, they didn't make a lot of lot of moves in the offseason going to get extra pieces. I mean, I know they brought Farouk Aminu in, but um, keeping the pieces they kept was important to me. I mean, a lot of times you got to keep your own pieces when they're good, like the pieces they kept, where Vooch is an all-star. T. Ross is what he is. He's going to be a six-man candidate every year and a, and a big scorer. And I think um, DJ was kind of – you know, flew under the radar, but he had a yeah. career year, and he was he was unbelievable. And he he's always going to be so. I've known DJ since he's been in the league, and he's actually my neighbor. So he he works extremely hard to stay ready, and, and I think he's going to have another big year. And then Evan coming off the uh, the, the, the championships, um, we should be expecting big things from him too. We're looking forward to it. So Q says we're going to win the East. Is that yeah. what I? <laughs> you guys, you guys can both talk to this. How important is it? Look at a team like us in Orlando where we didn't have a lot of change. How important is that, like, say, in the first month of the season? I, we were talking the other day that we felt like we could catch maybe some teams that are still, like, in November that are still trying to get to know each other, yeah. maybe even into December, whereas our roster is basically the same. Like, that that should be an advantage 
to the magic, shouldn't it be? I, I agree. I mean, that was, that, that, that's why I said that's very important when you bring back a lot of the same thing. Everything is familiar. When they came to camp, I'm sure Coach Cliff didn't have to dwell on a lot of the same things over and over again because we have our same crew. Some people may need to be brought up to speed, Farouk Aminu and whatever, few little pieces, but for the most part, our whole group knows what we're about. We know what, we know what to expect. And in that aspect, you know, that, that gives a team where they don't have to just be caught blindsided by different things. That's that's one of the things, even though I love the Lakers, that was why I said that in the regular season, the Clippers may have a better season than them as far as record-wise because they brought more of the same back. And then they only have to, you know, the, the two players that they get acclimated, they like pretty important. super superstars yeah. <laughs> Those who, guys who are, are pretty important. easy yeah. to get not, acclimated. Not, not like, yeah. It's not hard to acclimate the guys who are going to be – Everybody else got to get used to around right. them, but they know the whole culture. You right. understand? Like, the Lakers are bringing basically a whole new team. You know it's a great team. Mm-hmm. Once you get AD and LeBron, that's great. But they got all the familiarities, and that sometimes can, you know, that 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 um, that cohesiveness can take you a, a further place in a lot of times in the league. Did you yeah, feel I, that too I when do, you played? I do. I think if you look at the schedule – uh, David and I were talking about this uh, before the Atlanta game. Um, you know, we've got 11 of our first 18 taking us through November are here in Orlando at home. So we've, we've got a good schedule, and as Cute points out, so many teams made major changes. Mm-hmm. Even in the East, if you yeah, look at, right. you know, Philly adding the guys that they did, um, they changed their team. Boston, uh, Boston has changed yep. their team. You know, Milwaukee, I think the Brockton thing is, is huge for them. Them. So they've added a, a few pieces. So I think chemistry and familiarity, you know, Q mentioned the, the schemes that Cliff runs, you know, that he's learned through the years from uh, the Van Gundys and Pat Riley. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's, there is a sophistication to it, the rotations and everything. And some of the players have even said coming back that they, they start from a different place. I'm telling you. They're not learning new terminology right. and everything. So defensively, I agree with Q. I think this can be a very special team, especially out of the gate. We just we gotta be able to make shots. So that's true. That's yeah. true. That's that's the one thing that we, we we have to do. We have to put points on the board. But but I know for a fact playing in that defense, it's gonna be they, they have times where they seven, eight, nine possessions that you can't score. Yeah. Especially with that personnel. I saw I was watching Isaac the other day. He come out of nowhere on Embiid and like they got length and athleticism and guys that can move and so that would keep time, you in a lot of games. It's gonna be some hard times for people at different moments. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see them. They're still kinda of flying under the radar, aren't they? On a Absolutely. national level, people aren't people aren't really Picking that, them to do much. That's the great part. That's I know that's what Coach Cliff yeah. loves. Don't don't say yeah. nothing about us. Just let us go <laughs> ahead, keep our head down, keep working. And that's what San Antonio has done for so yeah. long. They keep their head down, keep working, and you talk about everybody else, but we show up at the end. So that's the type of team you want to be. Well, listen, Q, this has been awesome, man. Getting uh, We appreciate the time and the, the candidness. Sure. I thought those were fantastic. That's great how stories. you do a podcast, guys. You tell stories like that, which I don't have. I don't have, a, I don't have an all-star <laughs> story where I had to go sweat well. Well, I thought David's soup stories are <laughs> those were good. kind of, kind those of are close. Are well, you ready to hang with these guys all year? This I is it, man. People laugh at me because I always ask, they laugh at me too, They laugh at me like, soup of the day, boy, over here. Like I'm an old man or something. I'm with you, big soup Then what's your soup? What's your soup. go-to soup? He wants then. it on the plane. You know how hard that is to Why do soup on the plane? Why can't you have soup on the, on the plane after they the game? They should be able to get it happening for you. I like no. chicken noodle soup. Okay. The down and dirty basic. Yeah. Down and dirty basic. Right. Basic. Do you get That's into good. all the lentils and beans that he likes? Like the 
He likes white split peas. Chili's not, I'm chili's not a split pea guy. Yeah, he no, likes that's split okay. pea. I understand. But chili, there's a difference between chili and soup, right? Yeah. Don't you draw a line? I like chili, too, though. I do, too. I'm a big chili guy. We have, we have a lot of discussions soup. about what's a soup and what's <laughs> a chili. Getting, we're getting into we chili well. There we go. <laughs> and now it's back to the pot squad. Now we're back. That's all right, Dave. We can talk about that on our own. Talk about your soups offline. All right, appreciate it, Q. We look forward to a fun year, man. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you guys for having me.